And what's up? Welcome in GC Live. It is Wednesday. Welcome in. Rolling through the mock game week. We are getting closer and closer to a real game week. And that means more GC Live episodes per week as we start to get into our regular old rhythm. Uh, regardless of whether it is game week or not, uh, we are always brought to you by our buddy Clint Hammond. Uh, we are presented by Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. ClintHammond.com. 803-771-6933 is how you can call the office for Clint. And I uh, told y'all a couple weeks ago, Clint said best way is just call his cell phone. Shoot him a text. 803-422-6797 if you're in the market for a new home. Clint is the mortgage broker who can help walk you through that process. Got several folks weighing in already on the chat line. If you're out there, uh, holler at us. Uh, we got Gregory. We got T. We got Big Red. Rolling in. Hope y'all are doing well. Shane Beamer talking yesterday. Coordinators talking today. Closing in on a game week, like I said. Chris, I, I feel like we got, we got some meat on the bone as far as stuff to talk about from today's uh, press conference. There we go. I couldn't unmute myself, Wes. I was trying to verbally tell you to unmute me, and obviously you couldn't hear me, so I was hoping you could read my mouth. Um, I actually, Wes, am more prepared than most days on the coordinator stuff. I actually have a takeaway from each of them. How about that? Are you impressed? So today, Dow Loggins is really good, by the way. Um, I think it was more of a philosophical discussion than really diving into the scheme. Very first question, or one of the first questions, was something that everybody has been trying to figure out, and that is what exactly will this offense look like, you know, just in terms of scheme, in terms of presentation. And I think we know that there's still going to be some multiplicity to this thing, Wes, but there's been a lot of talk in the offseason about simplifying the offense, but – I think when you look at simplification, that doesn't sit, that doesn't mean that this is a, a high school offense, right? That doesn't mean there won't be concepts within this offense. But it is a fascinating question because, you know, players and, and coaches alike have kind of stopped short of saying exactly, you know, hey, we're going to run um, – this, this is one I just kind of made up on the fly uh, today during the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5. Hey, we're going to run a bunch of dig routes, or we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I think even if the players had said more so far, or if Loggins were to say more, a lot of it would still be boilerplate, typical kind of coach-speak, player-speak stuff. But I do think a lot of the stuff that Loggins has discussed is nonetheless very important for this team, right? He mentioned again today the notion that his his relationship with Spencer Rattler, the quarterback, is a partnership. And he went as far as to say it's not a dictatorship. He gave his little anecdote about calling a play basically to mess with Lenora Sellers and Spencer Rattler the other day, a play that both that they had all kind of they kind of scrapped it, I guess for lack of a better word. So when he talks about partnerships and talks about gathering feedback from players and how to best utilize players. I think these are things, Wes, that while it's not explaining what exactly he's going to call on a given player given day, which he's not going to give anyway, 
I think these are still nonetheless very, very important things for Gamecock fans to hear. Um, because number one, that's what you want your offensive coordinator to be saying, especially with what we've seen and what we've analyzed and discussed the past couple of years, where you're wondering sometimes, are the players being put in the best position, right? Now, I feel like Dowell Loggins has kind of lessened that talk a little bit. And there's also a little bit of evidence to it as well. Some of the things we've seen and heard in the preseason, the strides that Spencer Rattler has made during the offseason, uh, the freedom that he's been given by Dowell Loggins to operate in this offense. I think there have been a lot of positive indicators on that front to where, yeah, we don't exactly know what is the split going to be. Of Is it 10% from Oklahoma, 30% from the NFL, 20% from last year's concepts that work? We don't know that. But we do have a better sense, I think, of you know the fact that this this, this, this offense top. is going to match, I think, what Spencer Rattler can do and other players on this team. Yeah, man. So I, I think we're starting to get a feel it to an extent of what to expect. And it, it kind of just hit me listening to them talk today. I at this point feel like this offense just in terms of maybe who the the thing's going to revolve around and I, I think that answer is is number seven is Spencer Rattler I, I'm wondering Chris if we're going to get the offense that we all thought we might be about to get this time last year like do you do you remember those conversations where we're like, man, you don't bring in Spencer Rattler and not throw the ball all around the yard. Like, that's just what you do. And then it did it didn't quite click. They were kind of they were kind of just trying to find something to lean on, like to to hang their hat on. And for a stretch of the year, what did that become? It became limit mistakes from Rattler, get the ball to Marshawn Lloyd, run the ball, defense is creating turnovers. Let's just win games that way. And then you know, they went through the stretch where there were some more struggles. And then, of course, the offense went off as, uh, you, you know, as the season sort of ended there, that the final stretch we've talked about all offseason. So I, I kind of, the more you hear, Chris, the more it sort of feels like this thing is going to revolve around seven. Uh, I, I think there is increasing evidence of the amount of freedom that they are going to give Spencer Rattler to take ownership of this scheme. And I think you initially hear that and you hear that in the offseason and it's more along the lines of what, what Dow has specifically talked about in practice. Hey, what do you like? What do you like about this concept? Why do you like this concept? Give me feedback. I want it to be honest feedback. I don't, you know, Loggins talked about the bobblehead. I don't want you to be a bobblehead. I don't want you just to sort of tell me what I want to want to hear. Just agree with me. I want your honest opinion. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it for any concept or play? That was my interpretation. As we get closer to kickoff, I think the interpretation uh, and my belief is that it goes even deeper than that, Chris. And I think it has expanded. There's a lot of evidence of this. Loggins even said it himself today publicly. There's a lot of evidence that it also means there's going to be a lot of responsibility a lot of trust and really just uh, yeah responsibility and trust are probably the two best words I was trying to think of another one but on or within Rattler to go up there and 
if you see something, change it. If if you like something against the look, get the guys in, in the look you want. And I I think that's kind of exciting when if you're a fan out there hearing that Loggins is willing to give Rattler that much leeway. Totally agree. And, you know, Wes, we've heard some things in the preseason that Spencer has really shown that he can handle that, and he's had some success doing it. You know, Wes, at this point in the preseason, if we would not be hearing this if South Carolina – if Dowell Loggins had gone in the preseason saying, man, I would love for our quarterback to be able to look at the the look that we're getting defensively and change things up. And if they had gone through preseason camp and Spencer Rattler had not shown that ability, he wouldn't be talking about it, right? They'd just be – what's the phrasing? They would just call it and haul it. We, we wouldn't hear that terminology in the press conference. So I think not only has he proven that he can do it, Wes, I think he's thrived in it. And Dow Loggins has been, been pretty strong on this. Today he even said, hey, Spencer's getting more freedom at the line to adjust things than some NFL quarterbacks have had. Right. And so it, it is interesting when you look back at last season to go back to your point about how we saw the offense's identity shift. Remember, Arkansas game early in the season last year, Spencer threw for a bunch of yards, but you're sitting there going, gosh, Marshawn Lloyd didn't get the ball a lot. Like, shouldn't they have run it more? Look at the AM and Kentucky games. Spencer Rattler had very unremarkable numbers in there in, in terms of passing attempts. That was the point in the season where you're going, all right, this is a team that needs to run the football limit mistakes, play solid defense, turn turn your opponents over, play great special teams. We saw that in those weeks. But then, then by end of the year, look at what happened in the Tennessee game and the Clemson game. You're pitching it around a little bit more. Happened to be the two biggest wins of the season. So I, I tend to think that's what we're going to see, a Spencer Rattler who can go out there, play free, just play ball, but also one that has a good bit of freedom to – not only play loose like they were at the end of last year, simplifying things, playing loose, nothing to lose type of mentality, but actually being able to go up and uh, and change things in the line. And my understanding is they've thrown a good many looks at him this preseason, and he's responded to it. So that, that Wes, is – I know we've discussed it, but I think sometimes we forget generally how big of an impact a Spencer Rattler – at his peak, that can make a huge difference in this season. I know you've said before this offense is going to go as far as far as seven will take them. He's shown the ability to do some special things in the past, and that should be pretty exciting if they can do it on a consistent level. Yeah, and I, you know, I also think this offense is going to go as far as the offensive line can take it because I think that is the key to. Um, to unlocking the Spencer Rattler that we are talking about at the same time, man, there is a sense. There are some guys, I think your hope, if you're a Gamecock fan out there listening, there are some guys, especially in college. I don't, I don't know if you necessarily can do this in the NFL. Like you gotta be all time. Great. There are some guys in college that are playing at such a peak level that they get the ball out so fast and they are so convicted in what they're doing and in knowing where the ball is supposed to go that it can actually lessen quite a bit of that load from your offensive line and pass protection um, and kind of ease that burden a little bit. 
if Spencer Rattler can be at that point for a good portion of the season, maybe that does help a unit that I think is probably probably still has the most question marks on this team. Does it necessarily help them be able to grind out the the ground game and and block physically as far as that's concerned? I think that's more of a hat on a hat, man on a man, your guy against their guy type situation. But we've seen quarterbacks at the elite level transcend kind of the the rest of the game. They almost break the game to an extent. And um, you start hearing things about, I mean, if you can stay a step ahead of the defense by having a quarterback who's like a coach on the field in terms of moving things around and, and having that freedom, then that can really carry you a long way. So I, I think this entire offense is going to have to be built on that idea and then turning around, running the football off of that. Run the football once you have established that you can throw the ball down the field, you can throw the ball on the perimeter. Um, we're we're going to talk about Clayton White and the defense as well, Chris. But let's combine these two things. Did – were you did you listen to the press conference or were you were you watching? Did you watch, you watch it? it? I watched Loggins and then I caught up with the other ones via our esteemed team at GamecockCentral.com. And I've got to go back and watch those. Because I prefer to watch, not listen. So when when you watch, watch the look on Clayton White's face when he is talking about Spencer Rattler. Because there was a question about about Clayton White and his defense and now kind of turning the page to not having to go directly against Spencer Rattler. And he was talking about how that they were kind of having a competition just to see who could pick Rattler off for the first time and how it, it took a while for them to get there. He was talking about how he and Spencer, he didn't use the word partnership, but they even have a relationship where they're constantly talking Hey, you know, hey, what what did you see on that as a quarterback? Or coach, what what were you trying to get me to see there? What were you, you know, what were you trying to were you trying to mess with my eyes? So there there's a constant kind of back and forth with those two as well. Um Jason weighing in, sounds like Rattler has been crazy accurate with the ball. Excellent point, Jason. If you really listen, Clayton White had a little comment there. He said, our DBs are finding out if you give any space at all, or if you take your eyes from where they're supposed to be for a split second at all, you're finding out the ball is on the receiver kind of before you blink. Those are the type things I think, Chris, where a quarterback goes from just playing within an offense, just kind of hitting a guy when he's open, just doing the the kind of, oh, this is the bare, I don't want to say the bare minimum. It's more than that but you're just doing what it takes to be a good quarterback versus being a guy who can create something, something. even if even there's if not. not well, and, and this would be the ideal scenario, Wes. What if Spencer Rattler progresses to where he's doing all the things that you just listed, right? That There are instances that I've heard in the preseason where he's doing things that seem small, but really are indicative of the fact that he has taken a step forward, just impressive things with his eyes, you know, moving defenders, holding defenders. Those are those like next level things. We know that if you go out and you say Spencer throw an out route, he can throw it better than a lot of quarterbacks, right? 
he can he can push the ball down the field better than a lot of quarterbacks. He can also make a lot of those off-platform plays, a lot of those off-schedule plays. Um, he can make those little tweaks. I mean, several of them didn't hit. They were near hits, near misses last season. You think about the the A and M throw, uh, for instance, against uh, Jalen Brooks. I mean that that would have been one of the highlights of the year, right? It's a near miss. But then you think about uh, the Juice Wells throw, right, where he moves the pocket a little bit, and then he throws it upfield to Juice Wells for the 72-yard touchdown. Uh, but he's also doing, I think, kind of some of those next-level things too. So, look, you look at Spencer Rattler. Look at the season he had 2020 at Oklahoma. Over 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That offense was kind of a mixture of we know Lincoln Riley has a great offense for quarterbacks. But Spencer Rattler also has a lot of talent. We saw him thrive in that offense. It, it appears to me, Wes, that Dow Loggins' offense is going to be very friendly. I don't know if we could say to all quarterbacks yet. Hopefully for USC that ends up being the case. But it does appear that it has been friendly to Spencer Rattler and that he has also taken his game to the next level to kind of accentuate everything that Dowell Loggins wants to do as well. I think there's some excitement as a fan when you hear, you know, that so many offense coordinators want it to be their offense. And they want it to be their play calling. They want it to be their system, their ideas. And did you notice how when they every time it kind of gets redirected to, we want to do what the players do best. And, some of the receivers talking about how there's an ability to push the ball down the field in this offense. And there's been success pushing the ball down the field and, and Loggins quite literally saying, um, you know, those receivers don't need to be glad that they're in this scheme. They need to be glad that they have a guy like Rattler throwing them the football in order for that to be one of the things that we circle in this scheme to say, Hey, this is something we do well. And so, you know, I, I think when you look at just the totality of this thing, in college ball, when you have a QB, you have a chance. And when you have an elite quarterback, you, you really have a chance. And it kind of sometimes can be an eraser for you, man. So I, I think the hope for South Carolina is that Rattler can be an eraser for them on offense and, and really kind of carry everything. And, and that really probably unlocks some things for everybody else. Uh, you know, I was hoping, Chris, we might get a little bit more, maybe a little depth chart, additional hint here or there, maybe a little detail here or there, there. personnel. personnel. Uh, um, not the case for uh, Loggins. It was more about, um, you know, hey, I'm, I think he even said, I'm, I'm going to leave this to Coach Beamer. I'm not going to really answer depth chart stuff. He gave some thoughts in general on position groups, even with the running backs. He didn't – he kind of – you know, we feel good about seeing those guys after the scrimmages, uh, you know, had a couple positive things, I think, to say about the carry-on. But for the most part, sort of, it, it was a situation where he didn't really want to dive much into personnel, except, except for saying we'd be dumb to have Luke Doty on the sideline beside us all season. To open the show, it was more of a philosophical conversation uh, that Dowell Loggins had. But but we do have 
we do have West some evidence from the preseason with things we've seen and things that we've heard uh, from from players, from sources, um, and from coaches as well. That what Dowell Loggins is saying isn't just oh that sounds really good in a press conference, right? I mean, you remember we we would be on our on our Monday episodes of GC Live or, or a Tuesday or Wednesday, and would have just heard Marcus Satterfield last season, and. To, to his credit, Wes, I think a lot of times in the press conferences, he actually did a good job of trying to explain things. But the previous week, things had not always gone very well, right? And you're sitting there hearing certain things, and you're going, I'm, I'm not sure that matches. You know, now we'll ultimately, the proof will be in the pudding this season, and we'll see. Uh, maybe they go out there and struggle game one against North Carolina. But the point is, what Loggins is saying philosophically does match the actual returns that we've heard on the field, which I think is good. To Doty, he mentioned him playing on special teams. We know that Doty has has gotten some looks out there playing some receiver. You you certainly, I, I know fans will go to the possibility of, okay, well, you got Spencer Rattler. You have to carry on Joyner playing running back, who's a former quarterback. You've got Luke Doty. Uh, you've got Lenora Sellers, West at quarterback, who can be basically another running threat for you especially in short yardage situations. So you start thinking about more of the possibilities that you can unlock in this offense with a guy like Luke or others. You have some versatile players on this team. Uh, and I think that excites fans as well. Yes, for sure. It does. Um, famously Garnet sports saying Loggins wins every presser. Uh, yeah. To this point, he definitely has. I mean, I think at this point we will be at, that time of year where now you got you got one more talking season presser. I'm assuming coordinators will preview North Carolina next week. And then it becomes, all right, now we're at the point of reacting to what happened on the field. And um, does it remain positive among fans? Does it not? And, you know, kind of a situation where we get to actually see all the things we're talking about and, uh, you know, and, and how does it play out? in reality against opponents and against a North Carolina defense that I think, frankly, you know, had some holes last year. You never know year over year about improvements and who stepped up and, and who, you know, who they brought in and, and all that stuff. But I think certainly you would imagine a defense that once again will have some holes for South Carolina to exploit. So we should, we should start to learn a little bit more on the field, obviously in week one. All right, let's let's move over to Clayton White in that defense. Uh, not just uh, you know Clayton talking about the offense, but uh, Clayton White and his defense. You said, Chris, you had one takeaway from each spot. Five. What was your yeah. defense? Well, it's, it's something we've been discussing a lot lately. Um, I would say, Wes, it's really for me just Clayton White talking about the linebackers and stopping the run. Um, I think the terminology he used today was that it's been an Achilles heel for this team. You look at 2021, Clayton White's first year in Columbia, obviously. They led the SEC in takeaways. Last season, they were third behind Florida and Mississippi State in takeaways. This has been a good team in terms of getting the ball off of people, and they've made some big plays. But there have been games where it's been a struggle defensively. I think at times, masked West by the overabundance of talk, or just the, not an overabundance, it's very fair, uh, the abundance of talk, I think you could say, 
about the offensive struggles at times. Sometimes I think that's masked some of the defensive problems, and in particular the run game. It's, you know, Shane Beamer, we've said this before, he's identified a few areas this offseason that he really wanted to harp on. Two of them were related to the run game. We got to run the football better. We got to stop the run better. Um, he's also, of course, talked about not turning the ball over so much offensively. So Clayton White honing in on run defense today. And my, my takeaway, Wes, it's not surprising that a coach is positive about their chances to turn things around. But if you just kind of dive in a little bit more and, and take a deeper look at what he was saying, I feel like Clayton White thinks that they'll have a chance to be a good bit better run defense-wise this year. And I think a big reason for that is linebacker, right? He, he talked about Mo Kaba, how Mo's still making some strides to get back to his old self. But I feel like the, the staff thinks that Debo Williams has gotten a good bit better. He's always been a violent hitter. But just in terms of knowing, you know, his assignment and, and being in the right place and studying film, elite there. And then Stone Blanton as well, who's always one of those, you know, Clayton White calls him GPS linebackers. West always knows where the football is going. His shedding of weight, getting a little quicker, faster, stronger, and healthier from last season. And the depth then, if you go beyond that at linebacker, I get the sense Clayton White likes his defense's ability and projection to be able to stop the run a little bit more. And, and that would be big for this team if indeed that ends up being the case. Yes, for sure, man. Um, you know, and Clayton White, I've, I've always felt like pretty positive guy, obviously um, very down to earth, uh, super nice guy. I feel like in the press conferences, he doesn't quite, he doesn't give away a ton in his press conferences is you kind of have to really look for it. And I did think it was a little bit interesting. One of the first thing he thinks he did was, was welcome drew T to the team, you know, drew to Azama. He kind of put a little bit of a spotlight on that. I don't, I don't think it was to an extent of, um, you know, overly so or creating additional expectations, but Chris, it did kind of match a little bit with what coach Beamer was saying the day before and, and just, we're going to plug this guy in. Obviously there's going to be some, I don't even know if growing pains are the word. That's probably even too negative. It's just going to be uh, a, you know, it's a process. Everything's a process, but there seems to be some confidence in that building that he's going to be a guy who can at least do something for this team sooner rather than later or, I don't think you would have Beamer and Clayton White um, talking about it the, the way that they have. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, and, and what that first game looks like, you know, we don't know, Wes. Uh, maybe it's five snaps. Maybe it's more than that, you know. But I know we mentioned this the other day. It's not as if Drew T can be out there today's practice doing everything. Uh, it'll be soon. But he, he's got to go through that acclimatization period where he's putting the pads on all the way. And once you do that, Wes, I mean, now for all intents and purposes, you're into North Carolina game prep. And so, um, you know, not having that – Drew has played college football for several years. So it's not like it's a freshman. But there is still an adjustment period. You're still learning the scheme, right? So at the beginning of the year – I think it may be more limited. I think he's going to be able to, as the season goes on, get more and more comfortable 
and see those snaps go up. But it was interesting that Clayton White said that, certainly from a size standpoint and athleticism standpoint and the experience standpoint, uh, is almost somebody who can help and, and help early. And it is noteworthy that Clayton White and Shane Beamer, instead, they haven't come out and said, yeah, he'll, he'll start game one, you know, but for them to not temper expectations as much as they could, I think that is pretty telling, Wes. For sure. So, you know, the, the rest of what White had to say, I don't, I don't know if there was a ton of meat on that bone. Um, interesting that he, he did speak highly, I, I guess you would expect it, though, about JT Gear as well and uh, continues to be a guy that I think that will make an impact this year, potentially start, um, you know, if not week one, but I, I think probably week one, but if not week one uh, at some point along the way. Uh, you, you got anything else on the, the white part, Chris? Or should we move no, that, that was that was my main one takeaway. I, maybe it's less impressive. I said I had one takeaway from each, but maybe that was my, my only one. But it, it was my main one today. Uh, and I was going to touch on Tuazama too, which we already did, of course. So Pete Limbo, always a pleasure to hear from him. You're going to get um, you're going to get lots of tidbits if you really, really listen. I, I thought it was interesting hearing him talk about, hey, it's not just the guys I lost, and it's not just the guys that us, like we, media people and fans, circle as, oh, this guy's moved on. Sometimes you lose a guy from your special teams because he has a much bigger role on offense or defense. And I, that was something I really kind of failed to, to take into an account, but I, I thought that was interesting. Also, Chris thought it was interesting what he called his non-negotiables and for Pete Limbo in his marriage, his non-negotiable was that he's never going to drive a minivan. Pete Limbo in special teams, non-negotiable was my kick returners are going to be who my kick returners are my best are going to play regardless of their roles with the rest of the football team. And he said that specifically talking about Xavier Leggett, carry on Joyner. He threw Juju McDowell in there as well. There's some other things to hit on with limbo, but let's start it right there and how there are decisions to be made. And we know that limbo is very conscientious about where, where am I pulling my guys from, but certain roles on this special teams, I'm putting the best regardless of what they got got going on. Yeah, and we saw Xavier Leggett have some, obviously one absolutely thrilling moment last season with his opening kick return against Texas A&M. But I get the sense that he's someone that everybody is counting on, Wes, except for Clayton White. I don't think Xavier Leggett's going to get in there on defense ever this year. Uh, But obviously Dowell Loggins is counting on him in a big way. Uh, to to step up and have his best season yet, and the the the, the signs are there. The positive signs are there that he's ready to do that. Re- you know, coming back in that kick returner role, um, he's a big, fast guy who has natural return ability. So that's not surprising. And Wes, I think he'll do more on special teams for Pete Limbo. Other than that, Xavier Leggett's going to have a a key role on special teams and on offense. And Wes, if you look, I mean. In, Pete Limbo's not scared to play starters. It was a great point that sometimes guys are needed a little bit more on defense, a little bit more on offense, and so you have to back off of that. But I have a feeling they're, they're going to go the Xavier Leggett well a lot on special teams. Um, and, and I think part of that is just his physical traits. I mean, Pitt, there's a few guys, Wes, when you look at, okay, well, who can replace 
who are two of the best athletes with size on this team last year? Jalen Brooks, Darius Rush. Those were your two gunners. They're gone. And so Pete Limbo's talked a lot about replacing them. I, I didn't, I don't know if he went into detail on that today, Wes, but I have to wonder, is Leggett one of those guys? You know, does does Marion Brown get a look? Um, and those are two of your starting wide receivers, right? But you can't be afraid uh, to play those guys. Um, so Xavier Leggett, key player offensively, key player on special teams, and maybe just maybe beyond just as a return man. I don't know that for sure, but I'm interested to see how he's utilized. And obviously, I'm looking forward to watching his progression and what he does as a receiver and as a return man this year. Yeah, I mean, NFL athlete, like no question. NFL size, NFL speed, um, NFL athlete all the way. So um will be fun to see how his, his role grows. And, and if he can kind of put it all together offensively, we saw – we saw glimpses. He's had a great offseason, honestly. So uh, we'll be pulling for that guy because he, he's actually been through a lot in his life, been through a lot in his personal life, and has uh, has stuck around at South Carolina and really kept pushing. So we'll uh, certainly be wishing him well this season when it gets away next gets uh, underway next week, I should say. Chris, um, what what was your key limbo takeaway? So I was just interested to hear the name Vakari Swain. Right. That that was anytime I hear the name Vakari Swain, my ears are gonna perk up. And so look at at, at kick return Wes, there were some other guys mentioned. But given that Pete Limbo listed Xavier Leggett, carry on joining through Juju McDowell in there as his kick returners, there's probably not room for anyone else to break through, you, you would think. But he mentioned that Swain uh, and he mentioned some others too, but he mentioned Swain's ability and said that I believe he'd been repping more as a punt returner lately. Now, is he at the top of the list right now? Probably not. Um, we know that, you know, Eddie Lewis has college experience doing that. We know Marion Brown has experience, including last season doing that at this level, but he did talk a little bit about Swain and we know Wes, this guy, he was a great three-way player in high school. I mean, played DB, played receiver, was a returner on special teams. Also mentioned Jalen Kilgore. So that was that maybe not a broad, overarching takeaway, but just hearing Vakari Swain's name, Kilgore as well, um, as guys that have been repping as return men. Those are two really good gets in recruiting for South Carolina. Two guys who are going to be uh, really good players, I think. Well, in the same lines, man. How about the talk about punt returner in general and? You know, Limbo is not really as as nice and a positive of a guy as he is. He's also not a guy to blow smoke in those situations. We've seen him go up there and very respectfully say, hey, we're not good enough in this area right now. I'd love to see the guys be a little bit more consistent in this area. I'd rather them see, see them be better in this on this team. He was like, our, our punt returners have, have all – Whenever you hear, like, by committee, you kind of – that little ringer in your head is like, oh, that's not good. But he genuinely seemed to be happy with Marion Brown, with uh, Eddie Lou, Jalen Kilgore. Then, you know, he threw Bakari Swain in there and said – he kind of made it sound like, to me, do you get the feeling they were kind of searching for roles, searching for ways to get Swain involved? It was like, 
you know, I, I got a, a better look at this guy this week. He was a natural through Juju McDowell in there in the punt return side as well. That's something that we haven't really seen in the past. But did you catch that mention where he said, hey, we, we may put two returners out there at, at times when we see rugby punts and, and just kind of give teams different looks on punt return. I think, um, you know, that, that's certainly a position I don't think I circled as like being some huge concern, but I, I do know we, we all knew they had to replace Josh Van, who did a really, really good job with that last year. So to hear him, a guy that shoots pretty straight, list out all those guys and in a positive manner, I, I thought that sort of that sort of checked that position off for me. Whoever's back there, I think they feel good about them doing their job. Yeah, and it it I didn't walk away from it Wes, saying, okay, they don't have one at all. You know, you, you got that classic adage: if you don't have one, you, you don't have any. That that can definitely be the case in some areas. Um, it does seem a little bit more unsettled to me than kick returner, but I think that's just because you literally you return your guy from last year, and and you feel really good about him as well. I think this year it's a little bit more like you lost your top guy in Josh Van. Yeah, you have someone who took it over later in the year in a Marion Brown, but you also have some other guys in the mix, Eddie Lewis, et cetera, et cetera. And some of the guys who are who are kind of fighting for that spot have also good things. So I'll be really interested. You know, North Carolina, first time they punt, assuming they do, you hope they punt, don't you, us, unless it's all turnovers. Um I'm curious who is the first guy out there. Will, will it be Eddie Lewis or is it AB or is it somebody else in that mix? Kind of fascinating to me, but certainly a positive that Pete Limbo does seem to feel good about it as opposed to him standing up there saying, I don't know, we're still kind of searching for it. Like it was a different vibe than that, I think. Well, it, it sounded even different to me than some of the positions they were talking about yesterday, you know, talking about offensive tackle and, and kind of, What's going to happen there? Um, two different coaches, obviously, so it's not apples to apples, but uh, I think it, it did just feel a little bit different. So th there's a little bit more I want to get to with Limbo. Maybe we talk a couple of minutes of recruiting as well. But first of all, Chris, we were at Firehouse Subs today. I noticed you were once again rocking your bird dogs. And I'm glad you noticed. I'm still rocking them, in fact. They are super comfortable. I mean, I was looking around. I was in a near panic about to leave the house today to go out to Firehouse Subs in Irmo because I was like, where are my bird dogs? Had to wash them. Found them. Got them on. Super comfortable. Whether you're podcasting on radio, walking around, whatever you can do. Heck, you could work out in them if you wanted, Wes. Super comfortable liner. They are they are my favorite shorts. I mean, there's just there's no other way to put it. Super glad that we got hooked up with the folks at Bird Dogs. Still rocking my cup. The shirt, Wes. The shirt is awesome. Super comfortable. Uh, I know you were rocking that thing the other day, and I'm rocking the bird dogs multiple times a week. You got to. And by the way, uh, Chris, we got we got to tell them they can still get some free stuff from from bird dogs if you go to bird dogs and use the promo code Gamecocks. You will actually. Right now, so from what I understand, this is this is about to be tweaked next week. Think right now, go ahead, put in Gamecocks. You're going to get a hat next week. May you never know. Maybe maybe there'll be something else free that you can get. So order order today, get a hat. 
then order something else next week and I'll tell you what you might get then. But uh, birddogs.com slash Gamecocks, I think will auto-populate that uh, promotional code, but uh, just put Gamecocks in there at checkout. And like Chris said, the the shorts, super comfortable. It's kind of like wearing gym shorts on the inside, but uh, dress shorts on the outside, so Absolutely. you kind of get the best of both worlds. And uh, shout out to Bird Dogs. Appreciate them being a sponsor here, uh, actually, for several of the shows on the On3 network. But um, certainly appreciate them for being with us here on uh, on GC Live as well. So, Chris, uh, Limbo, trying to think. There was one other thing I wanted to hit on about Pete Limbo. And, uh, oh, the little anecdote about, uh, anecdote about Nick Harbour. When um, he said he just popped a question on him and um, he said it's a question, maybe half the guys in the room wouldn't have known. Very specific. And he said he got a pretty quick, accurate answer from Mr. Harbor. And, you know, I kind of think that's on brand from what we've heard about Harbor so far. Just being a guy who, you know, is uh, very detail oriented and obviously is big, fast athletic all those things but seems to be about all the right things um you know in in the classroom and in the meeting room as well he is and and another point of fascination with special teams Wes how will Nick Carver be utilized like like is he out there is he a starter on special teams at some point during the season including game one if so what is he doing exactly you're right. From a trait standpoint, he's a guy you look at and go, man, would love to have this guy doing something for us on special teams. You um, look at his mentality and you know that he's an unselfish guy and willing to do things like that too. But the question becomes, is he ready? Yes. Big, tall, fast. I mean, you, you think about him doing something, for instance, like covering a punt from a physical standpoint, he can probably do it, right? So is, is he mentally ready to take on that role? blocking kicks, for instance. Like you look at him physically and say that that makes a lot of sense. Doesn't necessarily mean that we'll see it particularly early in the season, but I think Gamecock fans are probably happy, Wes, to hear that Nick Carver has some involvement in those special teams meetings. So we'll see where it goes from there. You know, we know that Pete Limbo lost some personnel from last year, and that's not just Josh Van as a returner. It's not just Darius Rush and Jalen Brooks at Gunner. It's some of the other guys. I mean, Nate Adkins, Trey Kenyon, a lot of key performers that he um, is is going to replace. And, you know, Wes, you're right. Pete Limbo kind of blunt at times about things. One that he's talked about a good bit it has been the loss of uh, of Jalen Brooks and Darius Rush as their gunners. So that's, that's a key area game one I'm going to be looking at and paying a lot of attention to, in addition to just generally the special teams personnel. Yeah, for sure, man. And I was going back through Colin Taylor's notes to uh, see if there was anything else that stood out. Um, sl- slight mention of Tyshawn Russell in the kickoff returner conversation. That, you know, that's a guy, I think you look at him and Elijah Caldwell, there's some, there are some signs those names have started to pop up again a little bit more as far as being guys who – you know, who knows what their role is going to be right off the bat this season, but look the part athletically and kind of have been in a situation where 
Um, that they've maybe made some plays, maybe caught somebody over there's attention, which I, I think is a good thing. I remember what the other thing was, though, man. The Limbo always gets these questions. And I don't remember the last time he was asked, but it, it comes up fairly often about the trick plays. And the the premise of these questions is always something to the effect of, basically, are you going to run out of trick plays? And Limbo always kind of has this look on his face. You know, again, very polite dude, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He always kind of has this look on his face where he is sort of like, um, no, I can do this all day. And I uh, we just lost Chris. Hopefully we can get him back here in a second. Hold on, he's texting me. Um, Chris is gone. All right, anyway, we'll try to get him back. But Lim- Limbo always answers that question kind of like, uh, nah, like I, I, no chance I'm going to run out of ideas. This is kind of what I do. And even talked a bit about kind of how he was in a situation where he maybe has stopped giving away too many of his secrets. It's more like, all right, if I'm going to have a high school clinic, if I'm going to invite people in, if I'm going to be an open book, I'm going to be an open book in terms of helping young coaches with fundamentals and techniques and drill work, but I'm not going to quite be the guy that gives away my very, very best secrets, my very best trick plays, and my very best thing that I could pop on North Carolina in week one. Um, Chris, what do you think of my thought, my assessment that Limbo kind of just giggles a little bit to himself when asked if he's going to run out of trick plays? I kind of think this guy probably has a thousand trick plays and is probably being added to every offseason. Yeah, he he has said in the past that he has a library of them, Wes. Um, I think now how big is the library? Even uh, even the elementary school library is pretty big. There are a lot of books in there. I feel like his is more of like the I don't know. What's the big library, the congressional library or something like that. I think he's got a pretty big one. So um Look, a lot of the stuff they could run, it's about execution, right? It's about calling it at the right time. It's about executing at the right time. So I tend to think there are some base things that you can run against different looks that are going to have a great chance of working regardless if an opponent's not expecting them. Heck, sometimes even if they do expect it. Tonka Hemingway uh, called a, a fake last year against Vanderbilt where a guy was – hanging all over him and basically brought it down with one arm. It's actually pretty well covered. Um, And then he's going to have some new looks and some new things. So uh, we saw them get pretty creative last year. We could see some of that same, those same looks, those same plays this year. Um, But uh, there's definitely some new stuff in there. He's got the full library. There's still a lot, a lot left in the chamber there, I would say. Yeah. I don't think you ever have to worry about him running out. Um, which is exciting, man. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see uh, what's next. Do we get some more Taka plays, or is there is there somebody else out there that gets their you know gets their chance to shine by being a big man on on special teams who can make some plays? Um, maybe maybe T.J. Sanders is a big man touchdown machine. Like I, I think that's oh, a guy that's got some athleticism and and could maybe eventually help out there. So uh, we'll see fun stuff as always from 
Pete Limbo. Uh, let's see. Let's go through Colin's notes one more time. Make sure we're not forgetting anything. And let's see. One other, one other thought going back to Loggins. Remember how Beamer sort of pumped the brakes just a little bit on uh, wanting to overhype Omega Blake and his progress. And then Loggins was asked about that today. And what was the first thing he said? Consistency. So I think with Omega Blake, you do have a guy who is coming on and has made plays, is obviously starting to get the attention of his teammates. But then I think you're kind of seeing the coaches going, all right, man, you clearly have the talent. You clearly have the ability. We just want to see you do the little things a little bit more consistently. Yeah, and Wes, that, that has been the book really for, for a while. A couple things have happened. Um, I think it's gotten a little bit out more into the public. So it, it's it's now being – he's being discussed more in press conferences and things like that. So there have been – more questions to the coaches and to players about Omega Blake. And so now we're hearing about it a little bit more, whereas formerly it was a little bit more behind the scenes. I I remember hearing, you know, Omega's first year, second year here, there was some similar talk like, yeah, he's got a lot of athletic ability. He needs to be more consistent. Right. So I think that's been accentuated and amplified a little bit just because he has been asked about more, but then that goes to something that you got to give Omega a lot of credit for. And, well, why was he being talked about more initially, right? And that is because he has been making more plays. He's making the type of plays that, you know, get highlighted on Gamecock football social media channels. And then people go, oh, Omega Blake, is he making a, a step up? And, and, he, and he is. So from a physical standpoint, it's always had a lot of ability, I think. Um, the, the coaching staff has, has recognized that too. But he has made some strides. And he's starting to, I think, tap into the athleticism that he's always had. So still ways to go. I, I don't think you say, hey, breakout year yet. What I do think you say is is maybe break in as opposed to break out, like break into that, rot- uh, that receiver rotation potentially, which will then give him a chance to, to make some plays and make a meaningful contribution to this team. And then you maybe start looking forward a little bit after USC loses some senior wideouts the future he could be a, a an important part of that no doubt man so all right let's uh briefly talk a little recruiting uh in, in a parallel universe chris i am sitting in mississippi right now um maybe talking to daniel hill after he had made his announcement uh he pushed this thing back and we're going to talk about that here in a second but first um uh, Shout out to our friends at Liberty Tax, uh, Overcome Your Tax Society, 803-462-5576. Chris recently got a head start on his taxes. You can do the same. Uh, whether you want to get ahead or if you're very behind and you need somebody to help you out with the IRS, um, not a fun situation to be in, but Larry and his team will help you get through it by using their professionalism and their experience dealing with that very situation. Again, 803 462 Seven six, Chris Daniel Hill, a little bit of a surprise. Post the shocker on Twitter says, "Hey, I'm pushing this thing back." And uh, as of right now, all indications look like uh, Danny Hill will be taking a few more visits in the fall and then making a decision at a later point in time. 
Yeah, and this isn't a a great outcome, West for South Carolina. I think I would put it this way though. South Carolina is still in the best shape. Do we agree there? Let's go ahead and just uh, I think South Carolina is in the best shape. Some people look at this and, and lose perspective and say, guys, he's gone. He's a goner. No, if he was a goner, he could have kept his decision on and he could have committed to another program, which the main competition here has been Alabama, right? He didn't do that. I think Daniel Hill himself is still quite sold on South Carolina. The process is going to get extended, and that's okay. If West, if Wes, you were sitting in there right now, and a couple hours ago, Daniel Hill had committed to – actually, it would have been, what, about an hour ago? If he would have committed to the Gamecocks, you know what we would be doing two weeks from now? Tracking Daniel Hill's recruitment a little bit, right? Because Alabama is not going to give up. A, a lot of the things, committed or not, that are in place, were in place, are still in place. Um, now, is there some room for things to change since he didn't commit? Sure. Would it have been better for him to commit? And would that have made it harder for him to, say, decommit in the future? Sure. Um, but South Carolina still has a lot of advantages here. Uh, Daniel Hill loves South Carolina. they got a better depth chart situation immediately and for the future for Daniel Hill. So it's not time to panic about this one. I recognize the disappointment. People are ready for this one, Russ. They're ready to hear Daniel. They're ready to, ready to watch your live stream set up from Mississippi. But this this isn't one where you say they've lost momentum. They, they haven't lost a kid. We'll see how it plays out. They still have a great shot. It, there's some talk about Tennessee being maybe in the mix, and you look at or you look at Sam Spiegelman and Chad Simmons. Man, those guys have been all over covering Daniel's kind of recruitment from a national standpoint, from a regional standpoint, and so I, I'm not. I'm not downplaying that reporting because I know that Chad saying it means that it, it is true. However, I do think worth pointing out, I saw maybe a thought or two on Twitter. So, man, sometimes people just take something and run with it. Tennessee being in the mix potentially as a third school does not mean, A, that Tennessee has taken some type of lead, and it doesn't mean, B, that Tennessee is the reason for this being pushed back. So I, I think both those things are worth pointing out. Like you said, South Carolina is still in the best spot. I think South Carolina and Alabama still the top two. I, I think that is clearly the case here. I think South Carolina is where Danny Hill wants to be. It's more like, all right, if we're going to push it back, if we're going to take a step back, if um, – I'm Daniel Hill and his family, and I'm going to take some more visits. Is anybody else now also at the table? And I believe it's probably accurate to say Tennessee could have a place at the table, so it wouldn't be a shock when these other visits are happening to see him take a visit to to Knoxville, you know, along the way. However, right now, South Carolina, the best spot, South Carolina, Alabama in the top two spots. And the Gamecocks, once again, I keep saying they got to get to the finish line, man. The finish line has just at this point been moved right before they arrived at it. Yeah, I mean, you got to get to the finish line. And, and Wes, look, you recruit players of this caliber. If he had committed to Alabama today, 
which we weren't tracking as a heavy possibility, South Carolina would continue, right, to recruit Daniel Hill. There, are, are we thinking that nobody's ever going to call Dylan Stewart again, you know, in recruiting, that Ohio State will just, ah, okay, good, good luck, you know, we'll, we'll never contact you again. No, and, and this is part of big boy recruiting. Everybody goes through it, um, and you want to, at the end of the day, when the ink's dry or when the picture of your letter of intent has been sent in or your financial aid agreement, however they're doing it nowadays, you just want to have a great class. And so um, if you do that, if you sign a great class, if you sign a top 15 class, a top 10 class, there's going to be some drama, right? And there's some kids committed to other schools right now that South Carolina continues to pursue that will probably be in Columbia at some point this season or after the season for visits. Some guys they've lost out on in the past that they may have a chance to get back. So I, I enjoy the roller coaster, Wes, as much as anyone. That's why we follow it. It's one reason that we love following it. Um, but it's important to to pay attention to who have you got, who, who who do you finish with? And they've still got a good shot at finishing with Danny Hill. Just going to have to weather the storm and keep it going for a little while. Yes, you can ride the roller coaster of recruiting, but very soon we will once again ride the roller coaster that is the college football season. Game one, week one, game week, next week. Excited for that. Um, Also excited for you all to see our GC Live schedule throughout the season as we continue to add episodes. I'm going to have a Mike Yuva additional episode on Thursdays during the season. and. Hopefully, uh, you know, a situation we'll be able to hear from the Gamecock Central crew uh, pretty much every day throughout the 2023 college football season. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to continue our coverage on GamecockCentral.com with content as well. That'll do it for today's show. I appreciate everybody coming out. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Appreciate Chris Clark. For him, I'm Wes Mitchell. We'll see you soon.